thevoiceofhorror.com. Hello, everyone. This is Scott Guider. My very special guest today is director, editor, writer, Christopher Downs. He's the mastermind behind, originally called Fetch. It's now called American Maniacs. Christopher, how are you? Doing well, Scott. How you doing? Good. I just want to say uh, thanks for, uh, well, actually, I should give special thanks to James DiPaolo. He let me know that you were looking for reviewers for American Maniacs. And uh, I want to give special thanks to you for sending me the copy to review for my podcast. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to thank James as well. I'd, it was great. He, uh, he recommended you and uh, sent you out a screener, and here we are. Yep. Beautiful. And um, I've been seeing this film for a long time. On Well, not a long time, but I know some reviewers have seen it in the first stages. And uh, I was aware of the film. I mean, obviously back then it was known as Fetch. And then, of course, the name was changed when it comes to the distributor end of it. But uh, I had a chance to see it. And, uh, you know, you know how, being a reviewer, how you, you read about films, and you don't know if it's good, if it's okay, if it's great, because each reviewer has their own perspective of the film. So I went, sure. in, I went into this film open-minded, of course. And then when I popped it, in, popped it in, and I started watching it, and I really dug it. I mean, most films, it takes a little while to un- to dig it, but this film I dug right away because I loved the way it was shot, and the characters in the film, it just it moved along so well, and then you had the aspect of the barn and and and, and uh, strippers, and, and then it got to the heart of the story with the dogs and stuff, and the movie blew me away. You know, it's better than what I expected it to be. That's... That's fantastic. <laughs> I'm really happy to hear that. That's great. Yeah. That's yeah. great. We have a lot of issues making this movie. I mean, it's very low budget, so um, that's to hear something like that is, is uh, you know, it's kind of the, we, we, we did all right. We did something right, you know, and uh, that's that's important to me, so right. thank you. No problem. And another aspect of the film I thought was really clever is the snow. I mean, there's a lot of horror films, but not many are snow-related I mean, you can mm-hmm. actually, when you're watching it, you can actually tell that it's cold. If that's could not you, let me ask you a question. Could you feel, did you feel cold? I felt cold, but that one guy, the way he acted, cold-hearted, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> and the, reason, the reason I ask you that is because, um, well, there's two things. When we, when we shot the film, um, it was the worst uh, winter in 20 years on record for Kansas and Missouri, and uh, magically there was about four feet of snow, and... Um, the first day of principal was negative 16 degrees. But a few days before principal, it started snowing like crazy, and we were like, oh, my God, you know, what are we going to do? Um, I mean, it was cold, but not like that. And, um, you know, I talked to the crew, and we're like, you know what, we're going we're, we're gonna to man up, and we're going to shoot right through this. Um, and uh, that's where the joke on the behind-the-scenes, when you, when you see it, is every time a, a call comes up for the day, it's, where's Kurt Russell? Because it was so cold. <laughs> You know, right? But the, the reason I, the reason I ask you about the um, did you feel cold is we did a new process on this film that's never been done before. Um, and in fact, and you're getting some director nerd talk now, but uh, this has never been done. And in fact, uh, we had to fight out IMDb to actually get the credits uh, entered because they said it doesn't exist, uh, which which was true at that point. Right. Uh, it's called digital photochemistry. So when you actually watch the film and you're outside. Um, and it's really, it feels cold. It's not, cause you can, from a director perspective, it's like I can have actors portray cold. Right. Um, you know, I can, you know, show cold. 
and I can add wind to make you think it's cold, but how do I make an audience actually feel cold? Oh, wow. Well, which is, it's different, right? So right. there's a different way to look at the film. So we did a process called digital photochemistry, and the University of Toulouse, Paris, is working on this uh, in conjunction with MIT, and this new process will be available for 3D films, so you can actually in, embed color outside of the na- normal camera space. Oh, wow. So, and hopefully I'm not blabbing too much here, but... No, no, um, no. This is I just I, this is really cool stuff and nobody knows this about the film. So, um, the guys at Toulouse, Terry St. Paul, they they took images of um, dry ice at like you know negative two hundred degrees, right, on a seven D four K, and what they do is they take that track of film and embed it into the movie. Oh. So that those colors that mist and cold was actually put into the movie. I'm not kidding. So when you watch the, you know, the barn sequences, I don't know if you notice this, but like the floor in certain parts of the room are like this deep, crazy red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's blood. We actually, they, the University of Toulouse went to the local morgue, uh, extracted X amount of blood from a few cadavers, um, laid that out on a table, took high-res images with 7Ds, uh, and then that blood pattern is actually tracked and embedded into the film. So that is real blood in the movie as you're watching it. No kidding. Well, yeah, that's, so, <laughs> that's very interesting. Sorry, I, didn't mean to go off, I didn't mean to go off on a rant oh, here. No. It's one of those things that's like, it's so out there that people don't, you just don't realize that it's really there, you know? Well, well what you just explained to the people, that they find it very interesting. So that's just, you know, that's good. I mean, well, one thing I will talk about is one of your characters who I thought was, excuse my French, but fucking brilliant. And that was Jason Curtis Miller as Clyde Arbuckle. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, I never heard of Kurt, James Curtis before, and I know him now. Uh, the performance that he had in this movie was top-notch, brilliant. Do you want to explain to listeners how you came across Jason? Yeah, it was interesting. Um, so we had put out um, audition calls in Kansas City to the to local casting agencies, and um, lo and behold, they all blew us off. Um, go figure, right? Yeah. So we put out you know, a call by hand, and um, lo and behold, this guy shows up wearing a, you know, like a checkered shirt and a toothpick in his mouth, and we had gone through auditions all day for Clyde, and I was like, you know, well, I don't know if this is going to work or not, because the, the original script called for Clyde to be this big, gigantic oaf of a guy, you know, massive man, and um, so here comes this guy, you know, Jason Miller comes in, and he, he freaking nailed it. I mean, I was just watching this guy going, you know what? He's Clyde. Like, the script is wrong. Clyde is a smaller guy that is extremely violent inside, and right. this guy has it. And uh, that's how that that's how we got Jason. I mean, phenomenal, phenomenal casting with him. Right. And his performance on set is just to be reckoned with. I mean, it's amazing. Well, not to, to, to give respect for the rest of the cast, the whole cast was brilliant. Even the um, sheriff... I mean, yeah, the sheriff in the film had a very interesting story in this film. Uh, you mentioned to me off phone, which if you want to talk about it again, you can, is the scene with, um, you know what I'm talking about, how some people who make films, they think they have to show. Right, right, right. And some things are best not shown because then sure. it makes the person's mind who's watching it 
you know, try to figure it out for themselves or get their own vision of the film. If that sounds sick, I apologize, but you know what I'm talking no, about. No, no, no. Well, we had a, you know, John Redmond's great. He's a, he played Sheriff Marcus Lewis, and uh, we had went through auditions to find the sheriff, and, you know, lots of people auditioned. But I was really looking for somebody that was very real, somebody that was, you know, when you're looking at their face, it's like, you know, are they sad or are they just like, they're just existing. Every day is another day that turns into a month, that turns into a year, turns into a decade. It's like they're just here. And whatever that was and however that happened needs to come across on camera. So here comes John Redmond, and uh, he has that quality for the sheriff. I mean, you just you just feel bad for the guy. As sick as he is, you still feel bad for him because something's wrong, something's missing from that guy's life. And if you watch the film, you'll realize exactly what that is. Right. And a brilliant job, you know, Aaron Chapman. You know, the cast, goes, the list goes on. You know, there's movies that you can tell the ones that really get into the role, and there's some that, you know, nonchalantly. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't want to be, I'm not saying that happens, but the chemistry in this film I thought was perfect. You know what I mean? It, 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 everyone molded together. And it, well, that's interesting. That's interesting you say that too, because um, on a film of this size, I mean, you you from you know an audience won't really know this, um, but like, I mean, their job is to watch the movie and either you know love it or hate it. Right. You know, at the end of the day, or you know, I guess it was okay. I won't ever watch that again. I mean, but you know, <clears throat> one thing that happens when you're shooting a film is <clears throat> you have days and pages, right? So it's like, how you know how many how many shots can you get today on how many how much of a page count? Well, what happens on a film of this size is you get into a thing where it's like you can't get more than three takes on anything. So you got to really be on top of your game and think about those performances. Is like, you know, can I can I pull you know this dialogue from today on what we shot seven days ago? Is that going to work? Is the mood the same? The tone the same? You know that kind of thing. And um, I, I think that like everybody carried the you know cast wise, everybody carried that right through the film, uh, even on such a tight schedule. So I was you know. Really happy. Right. Now, Kurt Hanover. Now, a brilliant job by him. But you know what's funny? When I was listening to him talk, do you know who he sounds like? Did you ever think about this? Michael Gross from Family Ties. Oh, uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, Kurt's, Kurt's great. I'm actually uh, really good friends with Kurt. Um, he's uh, he's done a couple other films. If you guys haven't seen uh, the uh, Dances with Films Best Winner from 2008, Rigged, which was uh, renamed to Fight Night, absolutely fantastic I'd recommend going to watch that film um, Kurt is just he's a, a solid solid actor solid actor yes he is you know I'm not bashing him I'm just saying um, the voice it just reminded, it reminded me of Michael Gross and that's a good thing because Michael Gross which you know who he is the father from Family Ties you know just his character I thought brought another element in the film because you didn't really know uh, what angle he's coming from at first? I mean, he, mm-hmm. you know, he's, you know, what I mean. So one, of the, Go ahead. one of the things that we wanted to do was, um, you know, I talked to Kurt and Sean about this, uh, uh, Gripping and Punch, and um, I said, you know, there is some sort of like homoerotic thing going on behind the scenes. You know, we're not going to see it, but it's there, and I need to be able to present that on camera because I mean, this movie's very twisted, right? I mean, it's like in every direction. Something's wrong with somebody. Everybody's out to get everybody. No one trusts anyone. It's like, how do you, how do you, how do you make that work? And um, so I had a discussion with them about that. And uh, 
you know, I, I think that came across on camera because of the way they talk to each other sometimes. You're like, wait a minute. You know, <laughs> yeah. you, you really just don't, you know, I mean, you don't really want to, I mean, that's not what the film's about. So you don't want to dive into it, but you want to know, you want to at least key the audience in on it where they pick up and they're like, hmm, which is why the score in that, uh, those sequences that they're in, in the house when they're talking, has this really unique sound to it. It's, it's very, the undertone is close and scheming. Right. You know, it took a while to come up with that to, to make you feel that way, but uh, it seems that it works. Well, when Sean G. Smith, uh, uh, yeah, Punch, when he came into the into the movie, uh, he just gets out of jail, and I don't know what it was, but his character, um, you were focused in on him. I don't know what it was, but it was weird. It's like there was some, his performance. You knew there was something wrong, mm-hmm. and I think that's a brilliant acting job by him. And his look in that film, I thought, was really... I mean, when he talked, you focus right on him. You know, some actors yep. have the ability to be able to be focused on him, but this guy yep. had my attention. And then, of Yeah, course, Sean, Sean is... Uh, I'll give you a little bit about Sean. Sean is... Um, uh, I had um, brought him in, into the film, and, um, you know, we basically had, you know, obviously physically met, you know, the day he was picked up from the airport um, to be on set. And... Um, we hit it off. I mean, him and I, Sean and I have actually become really, really, really good friends, and his wife, Mindy. I mean, they're just fantastic people. And um, he's a, you know, fully fully schooled, trained, well-versed actor in dancing, tap dancing. I mean, the guy is just a talented guy. And um, what was interesting is we had a discussion about punch. And uh, directional-wise, it's like you want to you want to steer a cast member in the right direction. It's like you got to find that that one-liner, you know, it's like, here's your character in one line, like, so it's easy to remember, and it's, you, you can't really fall out of it too hard, and uh, he had asked me, and I said, here's the thing about Punch, Punch only thinks about what is happening right this very minute, right. nothing else matters, what happens now is everything, I said, which makes the guy an asshole, <laughs> because he's not thinking about anything three weeks from now, he's worried about right this second, Right. and, uh, that was the character of Punch. I mean, that's how he ran with it, and uh, Sean took it and just went to town. Right. And uh, as you know, my father-in-law was watching it with me, and he said, this is what he said, he said, well, he goes, you know, when he went to, uh, you know what, to rob or whatever, but I, he says, well, they're messing with the wrong guy. <laughs> that was his words. And... Uh, <laughs> People who hasn't seen the film, when you watch it, you know exactly what he's talking about. But you know, I have to be careful because I don't want to give too much away. But you know, every character in the film had its part in the film, and uh, the brothers, you know, the Griffin brothers, and uh, and of course, you had a handicapped brother, and uh, it's just remarkable. And I told you before, which I can't say because it'll ruin it. But you know what I said about the scene at the, towards the end that right, right, right. but yep. uh, the film was well shot you know I mean you you told me the budget it flabbergasted me when you say that because the way the film was made you would think that the budget is 50,000 100,000 and I'm not blowing smoke up your ass and I got there but it was shot it was well shot well acted and the storyline was great I mean I, I the whole you know, I told you before the film was a surprise for me you know, you get some. I get so many films here, and you got high, high expectations for one film, 
you watch it and it's totally the opposite. And there's some films that you think, okay, it's probably average, you know, I've seen this style before, and yes, it happens. But there's films that you don't know much about, and you go into expectation, okay, it's probably going to be some, like some average, average, average movie, and then when you watch it, you get a higher perspective on the film than what you thought. And that's what I think about American Maniacs. A big surprise. Yeah, Do you have any, is there anything coming down the road, like um, a red box or anything that you've heard that might Listeners might be interested in. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the thing is, I mean, this movie has been—it's been really—it's been a hell of a ride to say the least. I mean, the movie is a—you know—it's a three-way love tragedy, and you know, it doesn't end so well. And um, you can't just walk over to Blockbuster and go to the tragedy section because it doesn't exist. Right. So, you know, with that being said, and it's like you know, you want to do something unique. You want to tell a story. Um, you really want to try to catch your audience. I mean, those things are extremely difficult to do when you're working on about, you know, ten dollars in a bag of popcorn. So, um, the distribution angle on this film has been pretty rough because, you know, the distributors are like, "What do we do with it?" You know. And uh, so anyway, lo and behold, you know, uh, uh, Phase Four Films uh, picked up uh, domestic rights for Be On Demand, which came out on April, uh, sorry, January first. Uh, unbeknownst to me that, you know, it takes a while for VOD to go across the country. I didn't didn't really think about it, I guess, but, you know, it goes city by city. So it's pretty much most everywhere at this point um, on Comcast, Xfinity, and, and uh, some other channels. Uh, DVD has been recently picked up by um, Pacific Entertainment Genius Products, which I'm really happy about. Um, they really get a lot of drive and a lot of push, and it looks like uh, if all goes well, um, and I find it's kind of humorous at the same time, but you'll it'll be in Walmart, uh, Redbox, and places like that, which is pretty cool. So um, that's definitely that's where it's at right now. But that should be uh, DVD will be out in May. I know that. All right. Well, I'm very familiar with Pacific because there's a film called Silent Night, Zombie Night that mm-hmm. Pacific picked up, and uh, being that. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not saying this for people to hear me praise myself. It's not that idea. But Sean Kane <laughs> directed a film called Silent Night, Zombie Night. And last year, about this time, he calls me and he says, Hey, uh, this is weird, but I have to ask you something. I said, What? He said, Pacific wants to use your quote in back of a DVD cover, but you got to sign a release form to allow them to use your quote. Oh, that's quotes. awesome. Yeah, so that's how I'm very familiar with Pacific. I didn't hear much uh, about that okay. before. And it's funny you said that because they told him the same thing, you know, possibly at uh, Best Buy and Walmart and eventually into Redbox. So once American Maniacs and Silent Night Zombie Night, when they finally do get to the Redbox, now it's only a buck. I understand that. But you'd be surprised how many people out there who can't afford to buy movies, who can't afford to spend yep. six bucks to watch it on IMDb because some movies are available sure. on IMDb or anything. That's a good way to get the film out there because what's going to happen is they'll spend that buck to watch it and if they like it, they'll buy it. See, that's a lot, right. of, that's a lot of problem with, with a lot of independent films. A lot of people don't want to buy movies that they don't know anything about because they're afraid to buy a film that they don't sure. like. And, yeah, exactly. for instance, I did that exact same thing. I gambled and I lost. Uh, I'm not going to mention the film, but it's won all these best features at all these horror conventions, and the movie is not even worth the 19 bucks. So I'm ha- I have it here in my desk thinking, oh my god, I wasted 20 dollars of my <laughs> earnings, you know. But I I gambled and I lost. It's it's one of those sure. deals. But uh, this movie I definitely I will buy. 
Well, April 24th, uh, it should be available on uh, iTunes, Netflix, um, like YouTube Pay, Amazon, all that stuff. That's that's the schedule released by Phase 4. Wow. Excellent. You know, uh, and I'm hoping right now, I mean, we're, we're trying to trying to get foreign uh, completed, and I have a, a very interesting email and chain going with Jenga Films, so I'm hoping maybe that goes somewhere. We'll see. Fantastic. Well, Chris, I really appreciate your time. Um, I wish you all the best. It was nice chatting with you. The movie was, uh, again, thank you so much. no problem. The movie, again, was a big surprise, and it's one of my favorites. You know, I'm not just saying that. There's, a, I have a stack of movies that I, I can go back and watch again and again and again. That means one thing, that the film is good. So um, I wish you all the best again, and I thank you for letting me review it. I give James DiPaolo thanks for letting me know that you're looking for reviewers, and it's a well-worth-a-watch movie. So listeners, if you get a chance, uh, when you hear the interview, look for it down the road, Redbox, Netflix. Just buy it, you know, just rent it first, and if you love it, definitely go buy it. It's well worth a watch. If you like that uh, uh, guy that, looking at him, he looks normal, but behind closed doors, he's a maniac. If you like that style of film, this movie is definitely for you. So, Christopher, I really appreciate your time. Um, again, I wish you all the best, and uh, keep in touch. Scott, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Everybody out there, thank you for listening to this show. Fantastic. Thank you, buddy. Take care of yourself. You too. Take care.